Hi everyone, welcome to Arc Talk. This is a podcast presented by American Architecture, where through our conversations with leading architects, we attempt to decode the business of architecture. Today we have the honor of having with us Nikki Pereira. Nikki is an accomplished architect serving as an associate director for AIA Tampa Bay and the next associate director at large for the state of Florida. She's passionate about mentoring emerging professionals and has extensive experience in multifamily housing and theme park project management, including the notable Legoland expansion. Additionally, she has a strong commitment to community involvement and non-for-profit work. Hi, Nikki, and thank you for coming to Arc Talk. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Nikki, so the first question we kind of dive into with everybody we've interviewed so far is, can you tell me a little bit about your background on what introduced you into architecture? Um, so a couple of things, and I have to be very honest about like that that passion, that route. So one of them is that I'm from Chicago originally, so I'm from a big city. Um, so being used to seeing like a lot of these towering buildings and these beautiful skylines around me really peaked or started my peaking my interest in architecture. Um, but I think what really kind of propelled me into it is a video game called The Sims. And it's a very popular game. I'm sure a lot of people played it. Um, and I think I started when I was about eight years old. And The Sims was actually created as a simulator for architects and to um, build houses or for people to feel like they could be architects building houses. Um, and then it gained its popularity through the simulation of the games and playing little people, which I didn't find as interesting. I mean, it was fun. But I loved having worlds with just little houses and niches of like pockets of these like clustered little dream homes that I wanted to create. And I remember um, working on them and my dad, who's also in the industry, looked over my shoulder and he's like, what are you doing? Can you show me, you know, these houses that you're working on? And um, can you give me like a little walkthrough and show me your floor plans? And I was like, I don't know what a floor plan is, but sure. And, I, you know, I started walking through and he would kind of be in my ear telling me, oh, you know, so that's your bedroom and your kitchen and you're flowing this way. And okay, I can see how you're putting your bathroom. So he was kind of like walking me through what I didn't really know at the time, but that was like my first intro into, into architecture in a really fun, childish way. Um, and I fell in love with that. And through that, you know, I started going to middle school and high school. And in those classes, I was able to pick out drafting classes and kind of like architectural sketching classes. So in my head, I was like, okay, this is like The Sims, but in high school. And so I would sign up for it and I just truly fell in love with it. I fell in love with drawing and I fell in love with measurements. And um, I would remember my mom would order like home and garden magazines and I would start seeing floor plans. I would rip them out and start making them in AutoCAD and <laughs> drawing them by hand. So just little things like that led me to that. And then I ended up, um, talking to my dad a little bit more and telling him that I want to be a drafter. And he's like, oh, you want to be a drafter? Why is that? And I said, because I want to design buildings. And he goes, no, Nikki, you don't want to be a drafter. If you want to design, you want to be an architect. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I don't want to just draw them. I want to design them from scratch. And so I started looking into architecture schools and I found one that I completely fell in love with um, when I was about a sophomore in high school called FIU, Florida International University. And so since like sophomore year, I was just focusing on the next path. 
And um, every summer I was continuing just doing sketching and like art on the side, like kind of learning the trade. And then I interned for the Lens Group, which is the company I work for now. Um, I interned for them as a junior in high school, not knowing anything about real world architecture. Um, and they were so lovely to me. They, you know, I was a very young intern, I was 17 working for an architecture firm. And so I kind of started off like, hey, can I get you coffee? Can I run your prints? You know, and they would say, yes, yes, but why don't you like sit down with me and and I can show you what we're working on. So um, so anyway, just shadowing them for the first time, being all starry-eyed, like felt perfect and peaceful in my heart. And from that, I decided to apply to architecture school and I got in and the rest is history. So kind of long-winded story, but that's how I fell into it. And I feel like it really chose me at such a young age. And I've been so blessed and thankful that like, I've never derailed. Like I knew what I wanted to do since I was little and I'm so happy doing what I'm doing now. It's like a dream job for me. So Nikki, just like, how did you start, you do your course, how did your relationship with AIA start? How were you introduced to AIA as a body? How did you decide how you want to get into it? <laughs> sure. So um, that kind of also is a funny story. But um, so I've always been like, a volunteer gal like I've always loved to be part of things outside of the main like structure of my day like I've always volunteered when I was in high school and in college um, and always looked for ways to serve when I graduated college and um, naturally when I graduated from architecture school I was focusing on you know getting my licensure right away and right away I realized that this is a challenge like it's really really difficult to get your license um, I felt like architecture school was, I wouldn't say a breeze, but it was beautiful and that was really creative and crafty and very hands-on. Whereas studying for your exams is very much like you have to hit the books. You have to read a ton. You have to practice exam, like taking practice quizzes and exams. I'm personally not the best at retaining so much information at once and holding that in for six exams. And I finally learned truly for the first time in my life how to study and so as I was kind of familiarizing myself with this new like way of studying and, and getting into my professional experience, I was meeting a lot of new people in that who were also studying for their exams and networking within that so we can study together. Um, one of those people that I met, and actually he became one of my coworkers, um, is Arsenio Guillermo. He's a good friend of mine right now. He's also on the board of directors. And he sent me a text through Instagram and he said, hey, Nikki, I've been seeing your involvement um, with study groups. I've been seeing that you're really passionate about hosting study sessions at your firm and hosting it for um, other people around the country. And he said, I think you would be really, really good as an associate director for AI Tampa Bay, which essentially their role is for advocating for associate members, which an associate member is kind of that membership in AIA that's between student and license. So like when you graduate, you become an associate. Um, and then after you get your license, you become a full-fledged AIA member. So an associate director is literally the director of the associates in that region. And so when he sent me that, right away, I, I don't know, I think I was in the middle of work. <laughs> and I thought he asked me if I would be 
happy hosting another study session. So I said yes right away. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. And then later on, I came home from a busy day and I re I reread the text. And I was like, oh my gosh, he just asked me to be on the board of directors. Uh, this is like, I don't know if I can take on that. You know, I, I, it's just like, I don't know that much about being on a board. I don't even know like what it's like to be in such a organized, structured, you know, group. So I called him up right away and I asked him a ton of questions. And as he was explained to me, you know, you'd be advocating for the profession. You'd be helping people become licensed. You'd be hosting firm crawls. You would be networking with other associates in the area. I started realizing that I found, again, peace in my heart in that because it felt like that's all the stuff I love to do anyway. And, you know, sometimes we have to be a little selfish in this and realize that that helps you as a professional. It helps you network and it also helps you it propels you to study even more with all these people. But, and also for me, retention, the best way I am retaining information is by teaching it. So I said, yes. <laughs> and um, I became a full-fledged member. I had to get voted in, but I became a full-fledged member um, at the end of 2021. So I served my full term in 22. And then this year is technically my last term as an associate director for AIA Tampa Bay. Um, and as of this summer, I have been officially elected um, to be the associate director at large for the entire state of Florida. So I will be overseeing the associate directors from Tampa Bay, from Orlando, from Miami, from Jacksonville, from all the sectors in the state, which is such an honor. And it's really exciting because part of the board is working with the AI Florida president and vice president and that team. Um, and for me, it's been kind of a whirlwind. And I'm so glad that I said yes to Arsenio because it has introduced me to just the wonderful profession that we do share and also how much the AI advocates for our profession and what they do is really critically so important for us, especially when it comes to legislative day and vouching for our rights and lobbying for our laws. Like I've heard that before about AI, but I've had firsthand experience to see that. And I get to see that all of next year too, when I am uh, also part of that term. So I'm really grateful, really excited. That's amazing. Congratulations to one. Thank you. That. Thank and, you so much. Yeah, I, I mean, from the stuff that you just pointed out, Nikki, like with AIA, there's no doubt the kind of work that they're doing. I mean, it's it's probably the only collective voice for architects as a whole for the country that kind of speaks up. Uh, what I would kind of be, like you said, because you have like firsthand experience in it, I kind of understand AIA as like a threefold intersection in terms of they're working in terms of creating resources and the knowledge base. There's networking and there's advocacy, kind of three mm -hmm. layers that they're constantly working at. To, I want to kind of just touch upon them and see what your experiences have been with it in terms of, say, knowledge base. When I open the website for AI, it's like a huge pool of resources. Is there a particular way, either through AI or any other resource, that you kind of stay? up to date with the trends within the industry, what's happening within the, how do you, how do you kind of navigate that? Do you have a process every day? Do you check a report or something? Yeah. So I think, well, fortunately, because I'm on the board, I feel like I get a lot more uh, information internally, but if, if you're not on the board, if you're just somebody who um, may be just interested in AIA or decided to sign up for a membership um, in any capacity, whether that's a student membership, you know, or a associate membership or allied membership or, or AIA, um, 
there is Friday Facts, which is an email uh, string that goes out every Friday about all the events going on in the state of Florida with AIA. And those are important, especially if you are interested in keeping up with your licensure and CEUs. They also talk about um, events that are sometimes free or sometimes um, a small a small fee, which are like tours to really awesome buildings in the state of Florida um, that are sometimes hosted by individuals or firms or companies. Um, like for example, Falling Water is a tour that is gonna happen um, in the fall, which is hosted by AIA. And that's obviously a building designed by Frank Lloyd Wright in Pennsylvania. Um, there's also firm crawls, which I'm personally hosting one with my co-associate director, Leah Crow, um, October 14th, and we're touring St. Petersburg firms, um, specifically Harvard Jolly, Bahar, and uh, Watermaker Jensen. So these are just constantly events that are happening and kind of, you know, being put out there for everyone to, to kind of look at and see if they're interested. So Friday Facts is one way. Um, there's an Instagram for AI Florida and also every region has their own Instagram. So AI Tampa Bay has their own specific Instagram as well. Okay. Um, there's also like each component has their director who's in charge. So mm -hmm. Don Mages is the specific co component director and Jonathan Moore is the AI Tampa Bay president. So depending on what you are interested in, I would always say like if someone wants to get involved in AIA, probably the, the first thing you should do really is go on AIA Florida's website or AIA Tampa Bay's website if you're in Tampa Bay and just see who's on the board and email them and say, hey, I'm interested in this or, you know, I'm interested in being part of the Young Architect Forum or I'm interested in hosting a session on CEUs or I'm interested in just going to a networking event. Like, please send me information that like we love getting emails like that because it's like, Yes, you know, people are interested in being involved and they're taking this profession very seriously. So we will spew like tons of stuff for you to do um, and to get you involved because, you know, we can always use some some help as well because it's a lot of work. Uh, but yeah, I would say, you know, Instagram, also this LinkedIn and Facebook if you have that. Um, Friday Facts. For associate members like myself, that we have something called Epigram, okay. which Epi is a short term for... Uh, emerging professionals, Graham, which talks about just emerging professionals, people who have been licensed for 10 years or less, or like me, who are still unlicensed, um, and stuff that we're doing. Like, I just hosted a happy hour, um, a sip and like study happy hour last month, too, with Leah Crow. And we had about 30 just associates show up. And that was awesome because one of the feedback we get all the time is we feel like AI is more geared towards licensed architects. Whereas we hosted a specific event for unlicensed people and we talked about NCARB and the exam process and the updated fees and the updated um, timelines and the rolling clocks. And we like exchanged business cards and we had a raffle drawing just for, for associates and the winner got is getting to go to the design awards for free. So just there's a ton of stuff to do and it's really exciting um, to be able to share all that. So, or, or you can reach out to me too, <laughs> but I'd be happy to connect whoever. Uh, it is that they want to connect to. That's that's very cool. Like you identified, like you said, I think what you mentioned in terms of it being directed towards licensure architect, I think you're lost when you want and to have that space, like even you would just like grab call. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, so Nikki, with, with the network, that, that kind of covers us in terms of how to navigate the resources. And like you said, AI is kind of seems to be a huge basket of just that options, depending on what stage you're at, I think, at your career. Um, in terms of networking, Nikki, because you're also a project manager, um, within the AEC ecosystem, there are, like, other than the architects, there are so many variables and parameters, right? There are engineers, the construction folks. Is there anything that, or a platform in AIA that exists where you would be networking with people other than architects as well? Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, my assumption would be unless you kind of network the entire ecosystem, stakeholders on the table, it doesn't, it, it's kind of insulated in that aspect. Is that something AI has identified and does already? Yeah, so uh, fortunately, yes, we do. So we, on the board of directors, um, there's actually an allied member um, on the board. So allied is a separate type of membership with AIA. Um, like I mentioned, associates is one membership, um, licensure is another membership, allied is another membership. And that is specifically those who are not necessarily architectural based. We have tons of allied members who are electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, lighting consultants, construction, um, general contractors, interior designers. And that is because of exactly what you just said. Architecture is this big ecosystem of AEC companies. Um, and so we specifically put one person who's an allied member on the board so they can be a liaison between us and all of those companies. Um, and all of our events that we have is always for all of our members and non-members too. So I, I would say that the majority, or maybe not the majority, but a good chunk of the attendance that we have at a lot of our events are non-architecture based. So we have a ton of people who go there and they're very smart about going there because if their clients are architects, that is the best way, one of the best ways <laughs> that they could network with us and get to know us. And truly like, I, I feel like a huge part of building relationships with people is just through personal connection and through getting to know them personally and getting a feel for the personality and feeling like, you know, you could click and work together and informal settings, such as like these events and sometimes having a cocktail in your hand and just discussing like how it's really like is some of the best ways I think to build those relationships. I have met and had continued fostering relationships with allied members just because they always show up to events and they're always like, Hey, Nikki, it's so nice to see you. What are you working on? How can I help? Because I always remember their smiling faces. I know that they're going to be around. They have my phone number. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking of specific people in my right now that always show up. And I think if they could show up for these things, I know they'll show up for my projects. And so, yes, there is that specific membership for those. And I, I definitely, uh, would recommend anyone, especially if they're starting their own firm, um, like engineering firm or GC company, to get an allied AIA membership. I think that's so critical and just really works for your benefit. The membership price is like super, super affordable. And that's just your best way to get to know tons of architects. No, thank you. I think that was an important piece of information and recommendation coming from yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, Nikki, in terms of mentoring, I know uh, we're recurring theme, even the few minutes that we've spoken, you've, you feel very strongly and passionately about mentoring. You've done it through different organizations already in different capacities. Um, within the AIA, Nikki, like uh, other than 
like the emerging professionals communities that exist where, like you said, the event that happened where non-licensure students could connect? Are there any platforms where a seasoned architect and uh, like a mentoring program other than the firm you're in? Is, mm -hmm. it, is it possible through AI? Do we, is there work that's already been done on that? I'm so glad you asked the question because um, the the president of AIA Florida um, in conjunction, or I'm sorry, of AIA Tampa Bay in conjunction with the AIS, so AIA students president, have um, together collaborated on a new mentoring program that just kickstarted like this month. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it's actually something that we've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm so glad that they've officially kicked it off. But essentially, they sent out um, an email blast to all of the memberships in AI and asked if anybody would be interested in being a mentor to USF architecture students. And right now, this is I'm only speaking about Tampa Bay and USF because that's what I'm familiar with. But I I'm pretty sure that other areas in Florida and other states have their own mentorship program. But specifically um, for, for our sector, all you had to do was say, yes, I'm interested, which is what I did. I was like, yes, <laughs> it's right up my alley. Um, I, I love taking students under my wing and like teaching them everything that I wish I knew. Like I love doing that because I, I honestly did not have that at all. And I felt so lost when I graduated from college. Um, but anyway, that's, I digress. So I love to give all of that experience, um, verbally and be like, this is what you should do, or this is what I recommend. And, and, you know, don't spin your wheels on this and it's okay to ask questions. But, but anyway, I think the only like requirement is that the mentor will build some sort of like schedule with them to meet with them at least like once every quarter, um, either to see them in person or talk via, you know, Zoom um, or at other AI events and um, to ask them questions. What is it that you are interested in knowing? And most of the time, the students want to know how much should I ask for? You know, what's what's fair to get paid? What should be in my portfolio? What should be in my resume? You know, what what are, you know, firms looking for when they when you go into an interview? And um, and I love all these questions because they, you know, they could all have different answers depending on where they're interested in going. But, but anyway, yes, that is in place. And um, in conjunction with that, what has also started recently this year at USF partnering with AI is um, a component called Ask an Architect, which we usually have three licensed architects visit the School of Architecture at USF. And they walk around the studios and they basically wear their like AI name tag and say, hey, what kinds of questions do you guys have for licensed architects? And I was told that the students are at first a little like, you know, shy and they don't know what to ask. And so the architects are like, do you want to know how much you should ask for? <laughs> do you want to know what kinds of projects you might be working on when you start? Do you want to know what, you know, can I look at your thesis project? Can I look at your portfolio? Do you want me to give you advice? And as soon as they start opening up, the students flood with questions and they start like, you know, so they, they've been doing that. I think they've done that like three times now. And apparently it's been a really good success. I hope to do it sometime soon. Again, I'm not licensed, but I think it would be beneficial for students to hear from a somewhat recent graduate. Um, it's been, oof, it's been like eight years for me now, um, but, <laughs> but uh, I'm still in that like middle ground.
in terms of the advocacy bit, Nikki, so is there, could you share with us maybe, like you said, AIA does a lot of work on, on terms of even at the legislation level. Is there something that you've been part of while you've been associated with them in the last couple of years? And what was the outcome of that? Is there an example that you can share and how, how that works? How does that happen? Do you have a meeting? Do you take it forward with the government officials? Yeah. So I have actually not been part of what they call legislative day yet. I am going to go, I think it's January of next year, okay. um, now that I'm on the state board. Now, some, I would say, minor advocacy that I've done is um, I have advocated to have professional study materials at our firm here for associates. Um, we have had like black spectacles before, I think we kind of use that to a certain capacity. I've vouched for having Amber books here and spoke to our CEO about it. Luckily our CEO is very, um, very good about, you know, advocating for us and making sure that we have the resources to take these exams and the time off. And he's always vouched for us to get our license. So um, I feel very supported in that. And I'm very passionate about telling other associates that they can also advocate for themselves, if not have me help. <laughs> that their firm should be helping them, at least with study materials. Um, it'd be nice if they got some time off, like at least eight hours for a PTO day to take an exam. Um, I think it's definitely important if the firm can reimburse each past exam because taking these exams is not easy. And if somebody is putting in this tremendous effort for their profession, that is, giving back to the firm in terms of your knowledge base, in terms of your dedication. And unfortunately, there's a pretty high statistic that when somebody gets their license, they immediately jump ship and leave their firm. And I feel like a lot of the reason for that is because they don't feel appreciated by the firm itself for the work that they've put in. And so if the firm is looking at you and saying, yes, I want to invest in you and I, I can see you for the future of our firm, we're going to help you get licensed at least for me, in my opinion, that would mean a lot for me to stay or for someone to stay in their firm. So it is important. And I, I do want to be that advocate. And I have been that advocate for people to kind of vouch for those resources for themselves in their firm. That's very interesting, Nikki, the fact that you even identified that as a loophole. Is there, is there something within AIA that exists to kind of uh, fill in that, that you just spoke? Are there uh, mandatory I don't know what the right way to phrase it, like rules that tell a firm to kind of abide by to do these things for their, no, nothing in place like that. No, because it, I mean, it's not necessarily like a requirement. It's something that, you know, I, we feel is very important. And I think that um, like one thing that I did work on recently with um, the current associate director, Shadia Jaramillo, um, we and um, Centauri Rodriguez, we worked together on basically a, a big poster that we presented at the conference this year, which are specifically for emerging professionals. And it talks about how your firm can advocate for you if you are not currently being advocated for. So it talks about like, these are the things your firm can do to provide you resources for study material, for taking time off, or basically everything I just told you. Um, and then we have some quotes from people who have been successful at um, or have received those resources from their firm. So we have their like, 
I would say, um, positive feedback and quotes on that poster. It talks about like, because my firm has, you know, given me the resources to pass my exams, I now feel this stronger dedication to working with them. And I feel the sense of responsibility and ownership in the work that I do. Um, so basically that poster is just an example of a handout that we have online now and is accessible to anybody who's an associate member to, to use and give to their firm if they're working primarily probably for a smaller firm that right now is not thinking about how important it is for them to get licensed. Okay. That's interesting. So, uh, Nikki, the kind of the question that grows on for me, the kind of work that you're doing, even what you said, you just put up with this, it's demanding, demanding in terms of time, physically working on your license. How does, how does, how do you balance that sort of act between your professional work that you're doing? You're also mm -hmm. doing your licensure, also the mm -hmm. advocacy work. What does that look like? Do you allocate, are you somebody who's kind of allocate days, hours, or just respond to? That's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I'm definitely a big proponent of saying yes to basically everything <laughs> that comes my way. Um, I think the yeses will really propel you into just meeting incredible people and having incredible experiences. But um, I think one of the things that really helped me is just being open and communicating with my firm and um, having that dialogue with like your CEO of the company or your human resources and just saying like, hey, look, I'm really passionate about this. It, I would really appreciate if you could support me, whether that's financially or with time so that I can dedicate, you know, extra time for the profession. So luckily at the Lunds Group, which I really appreciate their support, they've given me time um, specifically off to attend conferences and to attend our board meetings um, and specifically to be able to dedicate like volunteer time for mentoring and volunteer time for, for all of these things that are really important. Um, so I have like a pocket inside my timesheet that I can put in for, for things such as AI. Um, and to me, that shows real support. You know, some firms might be like, yeah, we support you, but you have to work 80 hours a week to, to get it done. Um, for them, they actually truly do support it. Um, in addition to that, yes, <laughs> there's a lot of free time lost. But at the same time, it's it is really fun. Like you've made, you know, make a lot of friends when you're, you know, part of organizations like this. Um, and it's totally worth it. And, and, you know, AI as an organization is full of really fun, awesome people to work with. And so a lot of times it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like, you know, you're doing something that you enjoy with people who also enjoy it, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit of both and just staying, you know, really organized. I, I try to keep my calendar extremely up to date and, um, you know, try to pocket what I'm doing, you know, like usually AIA, if, if I have to respond to an email, I usually do that during my lunch or after hours. Um, or sometimes very early in the day and just trying to make sure that I focus my attention on work for, you know, the general times that I'm at the office. Um, but yeah, I would say some of those things. Nikki, how does like, are there any skills that you feel like any, as a project manager who's been mm -hmm. so in-depth involved, are there any transferable skills that you feel as your role in AI, depending on whatever that is? Mm -hmm. Either way that's happened, <laughs> is that something you observed? Maybe something you picked up while you were doing your, having your interactions with AI? 
or the other way maybe mm, that's a good question I never really like thought about that <laughs> I I would say that I'm in awe of like <laughs> a lot of the people who are on board positions in AI like they're so they're so cool like <laughs> you know lack of a better word they're just like they're so on fire for architecture and like some of the women leadership we have is just absolutely incredible. And I look at them <clears throat> just so fondly because we still are in a very male dominated profession. And just to see like Beverly Frank, she was our AI of Florida president. She's just killing it. Like she's just incredible. She's so polished. She's so kind and she's so smart. Like she just like walks into a room and like everyone just like loves her and she has like so much respect and it's just so to me I think it's just so nice to to be able to be around people like that and I think that gives me more of a vote of confidence being oftentimes the only woman in a room um and just knowing that I do have a voice and knowing that our voice is just as important um and I think that you gain a lot of confidence when you're part of boards like this you I have so much backing and so much support from them and <clears throat> because they've been so kind and and just very generous with their time I know that if I have like any question even if I feel like it's silly or dumb like I could go to them even outside of board meetings I know that I could call so and so and be like hey you know I have this going on what is your thoughts on this like how would you handle this they've become like big brothers and sisters to me um so it's to me, I think that's been transferable for my professional work life because I have, you know, those people that I could rely on to kind of teach and mentor me um, on the other side of things. And um, yeah, I would say that. And just like working as a team has become even more critical <laughs> when you're part of a board. Um, and that is very transferable to being a project manager and often working as a team and and uh, collaborating in that way. And hopefully one day I could kind of be that shed of light for someone as I grow more experience um, and for other people who I mentor here, you know, at the office. I think you already are at your level. What are you doing? But yes, oh. like I can <laughs> with that. And Nikki, just the last question in terms of, I know you told me that uh, you haven't, like at the point of, in terms of legislative advocacy, you haven't actively been part of that stage yet, but you're within the space, you're within the conversations that's happening, you're interacting with these people every day, the lady you mentioned just now. Mm -hmm. um, what do you see currently given from your vantage point as maybe the top three issues that are posing the industry, the architectural industry, that mm -hmm. kind of need legislative work on? Probably mm -hmm. still doing, there probably work still going on, but just by your experience and your vantage point at this point. Yeah, I mean, oof. I don't know if I could come up with three right now on the spot. There's definitely one um, sure. that I'm not sure if it's a legislative item, but it's definitely something that is in constant discussion in our industry alone. Um, and actually, I just thought of another one as, as we're talking about it. But um, the first one, I, and I'm also very, very interested in this and passionate about it, but there is still such a gap between architecture school and the profession. And there is such a gap between kind of students who are graduating from architecture school and preparing them for quote unquote, the real world. And it's interesting because I've heard two sides of this. You know, the first side is 
you know, our students should be better prepared to work in the workforce. They should learn Revit. They should um, be prepared to understand construction documents. They should be prepared by internship and, and going onto the construction site and getting real world experience, which I do agree to that aspect. And then I've heard the other side of that, which I think is also very interesting, is that architecture school is not just a funnel for the workforce. The purpose of architecture school is not just to get people to get into work. The purpose of architecture school is to build them the foundation and the craft and the art of architecture. Mm-hmm. And then they learn the workforce in the workforce. So there's an interesting like dynamic between these two sides. And I, I still feel like there is such a gap. And I, and I think part of what's filling that gap is mentorship, is organizations like AIA and getting involved and feeling like there is a nice flow from when you're out of architecture school into the profession. Um, so I don't know if that's a legislative thing in itself, but I think it's definitely something that is in constant discussion and we're constantly trying to get better at so that when somebody graduates from architecture school, they're not like a complete fish out of water and they're joining a firm and they're like, whoa, like, what is this? You know, what what do you mean? I have to like manage all these projects on my own and look at sections and details. I don't know what that is. So we're trying to try to fill that gap as much as possible. And then the other one I was thinking of, which is kind of a hot topic now that everyone's talking about it, now that it has a name to it, is AI. And how does AI kind to kind of, you know, bring itself and embellish our, our profession? And it's already being discussed at the state level and the national level. Um, I haven't been privy to those conversations yet, but I know that there's people on our board right now that are discussing like the interesting and and maybe you know um, sometimes problematic aspects of AI into our profession. But I think for the most part, it's it's going to help us um, tremendously, especially with with just the intellect and the resources that we can kind of garnish from that, especially when it comes to BIM and and Revit and and just helping us do what we can do faster. I don't think it's ever going to replace architects. I don't think it's ever going to replace um, us and our minds and what we provide because we're not just robots, you know, spewing out design. There's so much more to that, which I truly learned as a project manager. There's so much more that we provide than just drawings, you know, for permit. So, um, and I'm very interested to see how that will continue to like make its way into all the professions, all the AEC professions, but specifically architecture and how that's going to, how that's going to move us forward. And, and is, is AI doing any work in terms of regulation, in terms of AI? I know it's so new and I mm-hmm. don't even know whether what to, they know yeah. what they're regulating, but are there conversations around that? Because like you said, Nikki, I think you, <laughs> it's coming. I mean, I yeah. don't think any of It is. It's, I've, I sat next to a gentleman uh, to my right on a meeting last week with the board of directors who, who is on, uh, I think it's called a, a uh, workforce or a task for architecture and AI. And he specifically mentioned how they're building regulations already around that. So it's so new and I haven't seen anything come out, but I know that there's conversations being had. And I believe, I think last week they just hosted um, like an architecture and AI kind of discussion. Oh, and um, there was a session in this most recent conference in the state of Florida for AI about AI. And right now I'm actually on the committee where we're planning all the 
the sessions and, and speakers for next year's conference. Um, and one of them will definitely be about AI and architecture as well. So I'm excited to learn more about it. Uh, there's, you know, there's a ton of stuff in the background that I'm doing, just researching and seeing how that's going to, um, how how really we can take advantage of yeah. uh, some of this uh, new technology for our profession. But um, yeah, I'm just as excited as you are <laughs> learning more about it. So. Thank you, Nikki. I think I think I'm, I'm, I mean, as you are growing, your one, your enthusiasm is infectious for the profession, for the work you do, the advocacy. It's just, I want to be an architect just talking to you. It's amazing. So, thank you for finding the time to do this. Of course. Thank you for asking me to be a part of your your podcast and your conversations. Like, I'm so happy to to talk with you. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this conversation, we would love for you to share this episode with people who you think would enjoy or benefit from it the same. For more such insights into the changing landscape of the business of architecture, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. Our handles are mentioned in the episode description. Arc Talk is produced by American Architecture. I am Amrita Sham. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon. Thank you.